You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Today's episode is brought to you by Bill Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Happy Monday to you. We got three segments for you today on the podcast. First, we'll start by addressing a newsy item regarding the Buffalo Bills. Then I want to talk about roles for the Bills rookies in year one and exactly the role that I think they will fill based on the information we have today. In the next segment, we're going to talk about the winners of the draft in terms of Bills players, and we'll close out the podcast today by talking about the losers from the Bills roster when it comes to the 2021 NFL draft. But let's start with the Bills losing Dan Morgan, the Bills director of player personnel. He's been the Bills director of player personnel from 2018 until last week. He was hired by the Carolina Panthers to be their assistant general manager. So good for him, a move up the ladder when it comes to being an executive in the NFL. And many people believe that Dan Morgan is on the path to being a general manager in the NFL. And so this is the next step for him. And obviously the bills with Joe Shane as Brandon Bean's right-hand man, he wasn't going to go any higher with the bills. So he goes to the Carolina Panthers, teams up With Scott Fitterer, their general manager, they were together in Seattle, so they have familiarity, and so that makes sense for Fitterer to get a guy that knows him, and they have a similar approach to building rosters and gives him a higher position. Um, It's also cool for Dan Morgan because he's a former first-round pick of the Carolina Panthers back in 2001, the number 11 overall pick. Out of Miami, a linebacker. He was a pro bowler for Carolina, a good football player. Injuries became a problem for him late in his career, and so he only played, I think, seven seasons in the NFL, but a guy that was uh, outstanding, just uh, didn't have a longer career because of injuries. So good for Dan Morgan, but not necessarily good for the Buffalo Bills, who lose a key member of their front office. And so The Bills should have plenty of good internal options to fill the role of director player personnel, but to me, this is that first domino, right, in the Bills kind of losing other members of their front office. As the Bills continue to be successful, we're going to see more and more of this, like Dawson, Malik Boyd, Joe Shane. I'm sure that those guys have ambitions to have higher positions And they're probably going to have to leave the Bills to get them. And I'm sure if the Bills continue to have success, I mean, if they have another season like they did last year, the Bills front office people are going to be hot commodities across the NFL. So the challenge not only for Brandon Bean is in building the Bills roster and you know continuing to find ways to take it to the next level, it's going to be replacing people that he's inevitably going to lose. What's his plan? How is he going to do it? How is he going to make sure that while other teams pluck his guys, he's able to develop that next guy for that position that he loses, right? That's the other part of leadership. It's not just 
leading the team now. It's having a plan for the future and having guys that can step in and replace people that you inevitably are going to lose. So it'll be interesting to see how Brandon Bean navigates that. But the first big loss here, Dan Morgan, the assistant general manager for the Carolina Panthers, leaving a hole for the Bills at director of player personnel. All right, let's talk about these rookies and their year one roles. We'll talk about all eight of the Bills draft picks, and I'll tell you what I think they're going to do in 2021, what role they're going to play on the team. We'll start at the top, Gregory Rousseau, the Bills' first-round pick. I think he'll be a rotational defensive end for the Bills. I think he'll play anywhere from 25 to 35% of the snaps and um, help the Bills a little bit this year. I don't think he's going to be a primary starter or a guy that gets the majority of the snaps, but I do think you'll see him on the field, and I do think that he'll claim some market share when it comes to reps at the defensive end position for the Bills. And I think based on this overall landscape of the defensive line that the Bills have assembled, his ability to rush on the interior is going to lead to more snaps, right? Like I know that Hughes and Addison are probably still going to be a big part of the Bills defensive end room, and they should be. Rousseau's ability to reduce inside and rush interior gaps is going to get him on the field more. So I'm anticipating 25 to 35% of the snaps at the defensive end position going to Gregory Rousseau. The Bills' second-round pick, Carlos Basham Jr., defensive end from Wake Forest. Like Rousseau, I think he'll claim 25 to 35% of the snaps himself. Again, not a guy that I think will get the majority of the snaps, but I think he will factor in to the equation. And he's a guy that I think is coming into the NFL a little bit more ready than Rousseau. I think you can see him on the field a little bit more on early downs. And if that proves to be the case, that's going to allow Hughes and Addison to be fresher on long and late downs. So your guys that are a little bit more technically refined and savvy when it comes to rushing at the NFL level, they won't have to do as much of the dirty work on rundowns, and they'll be fresher for the long and late pass rush situations. And I think at the end of the day, that could be a good thing for Hughes, Addison, and the Bills collectively because it enables them to get the most out of Hughes and Addison at this stage of their career. So Basham, 25 to 35% of the snaps, but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot more of those snaps came first down, second down, you know, obvious run situations where it enables Hughes and Addison and even Rousseau to play more on those late downs, those passing downs, and they can pin their ears back and rush the passer. The Bills' third round pick, Spencer Brown, offensive tackle. I think in year one, he is a dual function player. Obviously, his primary role is going to be the Ty Inseki replacement, the swing tackle, the first guy off the bench if Daryl Williams or if Deion Dawkins were to get injured. He's that versatile swing tackle. But as I've said before in the podcast, I think the Bills can get additional value out of him by using him as a tackle-eligible blocking tight end type player. So everything you lost in Lee Smith as an outstanding blocking tight end I think you can get that back in Spencer Brown, who has experience playing tight end, and it just gets more value out of the player, and it enables the Bills to keep three tight ends instead of four, 
let's face it, when Lee Smith was on the field, it wasn't like it was any guess for the defense what he was going to do. He was there to block. So by putting Spencer Brown on the field, I don't think you really lose anything, right? I mean, there's there's an argument to be made that Spencer Brown's more dynamic as a potential pass catcher than Lee Smith. So if you're worried about tipping your hand and and saying, well, if we put Spencer Brown as a tackle eligible, everyone's going to know that he's not really a threat and that they don't have to cover him or account for him in coverage – well, that's pretty much the same the same thing with Lee Smith. At least you still get that blocking guy and you can roster three tight ends instead of four. Tommy Doyle, the Bills' next pick, an offensive tackle out of Miami, Ohio. I think he'll be a rostered player. I don't expect him to not be on the Bills' 53-man roster. I do think that he will be inactive on most weeks if everyone's healthy, and he'll be the fourth offensive tackle. So I think... The Bills will dress eight offensive linemen most weeks, your five starters, and then the three primary backups being Spencer Brown, Ike Bakker, and Ryan Bates. And because Ryan Bates can play multiple positions, I think that he will dress over Tommy Doyle. So you actually have Spencer Brown, your primary backup at tackle, and then it goes to Ryan Bates if necessary. That's what I think will be the plan. So Tommy Doyle, I expect him to make the team. I also expect him to be inactive on game day should everyone be healthy. The Bills' next pick, Marquez Stevenson, wide receiver from Houston. I think he has a really good chance to be the wide receiver six for the team, which is a player that will be active on game day because I think he can be the primary kick returner. The Bills obviously lost Andre Roberts in the offseason, but they kept six wide receivers on the roster last year and they all dressed. Now, one of them being Roberts, who was a return guy, but I think that Stevenson has a chance to be the primary kick returner and wide receiver six, and Isaiah McKenzie to be the primary punt returner and wide receiver five. Now, the Bills could find some value in Brandon Powell, who could perhaps do both of those things, right? He can be the kick returner, punt returner combo guy, but you know there has to be a clear answer to him being the best option for those roles. If McKenzie's a better punt returner than Powell and Stevenson's a better kick returner than Powell, then I think you split the roles up and that's perfectly fine. Powell needs to be your best kick and punt returner, both, right? Not just one or the other to be the rostered player at wide receiver six. I don't think the Bills are going to keep seven receivers. They haven't done that at any point under McDermott. And I don't think that will change this year. I think they'll keep six guys. And I think Stevenson has the upper hand to be wide receiver six. DeMar Hamlin, the Bills' next pick, safety from Pittsburgh. I think he's got a pretty clear path to be the fourth safety on the team. It'll be Poyer and Hyde, obviously. Jaquan Johnson, safety three. And that fourth safety is DeMar Hamlin. Now, I think DeMar Hamlin has what it takes to be a good special teams player. However, he really didn't play much special teams for Pitt. So I think he'll be inactive most weeks, assuming everyone's healthy, but I do expect him to be rostered and to be groomed for that Dean Marlowe role. Rashad Wildgoose, cornerback out of Wisconsin, the Bills' next pick. I think he's got a tougher path ahead to make this roster. The Bills typically keep five cornerbacks. So right now, Tredavious White, Levi Wallace, Teron Johnson, Dane Jackson. There's four of your five. Now, I didn't mention Saran Neal, 
The Bills love Saran Neal for special teams. They don't necessarily love him for defense. I know Neal is a primary gunner for the punt team. And that also doesn't factor in Cam Lewis, who at one point last year earned the job over to Ron Johnson in the slot. And obviously he got hurt and that sidetracked his season. But he's a player that's been around for a little bit. So if Rashad Wild Goose is going to make the roster, he has to beat out Saran Neal or Cam Lewis, or the Bills need to keep six corners and he has to beat out one of them. I think there's a good chance that Wild Goose ends up on the Dane Jackson plan, where he spends the season on the practice squad, gets some chances to play. You don't want call-ups in situations like that. But I don't know that he's going to be a lock to make this 53-man roster. Now, if he obviously if he wins the job, right, if he proves that he's worthy of being the fifth corner, he'll make the team. But as things stand today, without having any evidence that he's going to do that, I think he's got a pretty tough path to making the team. And that doesn't even account for any possible additions that the Bills make between now and the start of the season. The last player to talk about is Jack Anderson, the Bills' seventh-round pick and offensive lineman from Texas Tech. I think he's got an even tougher path to the roster than Wild Goose. The Bills' starting offensive line is set. Dawkins, Ford, Morse, Feliciano, and Williams. I think the three primary backups will be Ike Bakker, Ryan Bates, and Spencer Brown. Those are your eight game day offensive linemen. Now, I think the Bills will keep more offensive linemen, but if they keep nine, that's Tommy Doyle. I don't think it's Jack Anderson, who is literally a guard only. That's going to make it tough for him. If the Bills keep 10 offensive linemen, this is where Jack Anderson has a chance. And I don't think it's crazy to think that the Bills could keep 10 offensive linemen. However, in order for Anderson to make the team, he's going to have to be offensive lineman 10 and beat out Forrest Lamp, Jamil Douglas, Bobby Hart, and Jordan Devy. He has to be all four of those guys out, those four veterans some of them being higher picks. Forrest Lamp, you know, fairly high pick not long ago, started all 16 games last year for the Chargers. Bobby Hart, a very experienced player in the NFL. Jamil Douglas has some experience. Jordan Devy's an older player that they re-signed. He'd have to beat them all out. Now, I think his best-case scenario is him proving that he can play center and guard, right? That's going to be a must for him. Obviously, he has no appeal at tackle. So he has to prove that he can play center, which he did not at the Senior Bowl. And the Bills would need to buy into the cost-controlled player for four years over you know, maybe a more expensive player this year, but arguably a more talented, more ready-to-step-in type guy. So he's going to have to bank on the Bills willing to play the economics and keep 10 offensive linemen if he's going to make the 53. Hey, Bills fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics, text DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now, and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. 
Text DRAFT to 231231. That's DRAFT to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So let's talk about some winners. Now that we've established the roles that I believe the Bills rookies will have, the rookie draft picks, what roles I think they will have in year one this season, I think it's a little bit easier to identify which players that were on the roster before the draft were winners in terms of their path to a role on the football team. I think the obvious place to start is Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson. Not that I ever believed they wouldn't make the roster, but their path to playing time is quite clear. They're in competition to be the starting cornerback opposite of Tredavious White. Now, I think Levi Wallace has the upper hand. He's been the starter, right? For as much as we talk about replacing Levi Wallace, he's a reasonable player who has been a starting CB2 for this football team in seasons when it was a top three defense in the NFL. In 2018 and 2019, he was the primary starter, and the Bills' defense was top three. So he's definitely a passable starter, although I think we can all agree He's upgradable, and that's kind of been the argument. Not only is he upgradable in terms of getting a better player, but you can get a different skill set in there that gives you more scheme versatility in terms of the coverage techniques that you can run. But the fact that the Bills didn't take a corner until the sixth round in Rashad Wild Goose, who was an inexperienced player at Wisconsin, I think it's pretty clear that Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson, at a minimum, are going to make the team, and it's likely that they could platoon at the position. We know that the Bills have not been shy about doing that. When healthy last year, Wallace and Josh Norman, they platooned. We've seen Ty Insecki and Cody Ford platoon at right tackle. We've seen Ramon Humber and Matt Milano under McDermott platoon at linebacker. So I don't think that it's crazy to think we see both of them on the field, but if the Bills would have made a higher investment on a cornerback, that might not be the case. So Dane Jackson, Levi Wallace, the headliners when it comes to winners from the draft. Next up is Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and Matt Breida. I think that's going to be your top three running backs for the Bills next year. So for... As much buzz as there was about potentially the Bills drafting Travis Etienne in the first round, and I heard some rumblings that they were interested in Michael Carter, the running back from North Carolina, the Bills did nothing at running back. Nothing at all. So this is your group. This is the trio of backs that the Bills are going to roll with this season. And so those guys should be feeling pretty good about their role on the team and 
how much the team's going to rely on them to anchor the ground attack. And so I, I think we're all hopeful that a healthy Zach Moss, the offensive line being together, right? That's a, an underrated talking point. The Bills' preferred offensive line last year never played together. So for as much as we talk about returning starters and continuity, this offensive line last year never took a snap together at all because Feliciano was injured for the first portion of the year, then Cody Ford went down. So we're going to see for the first time this year, Dawkins, Ford, Morse, Feliciano, Williams. So between that, a healthy Zach Moss, and schematic adjustments, that's the optimism for the Bills rushing attack being better. And we can't forget Matt Breida's here, right? Like, he is one of the fastest running backs in the NFL. So there is very much a legitimate speed threat in this backfield. Next up, the tight ends, right? Dawson Knox, Jacob Hollister, Tommy Sweeney, Reggie Gilliam. The Bills did not add a tight end in the draft. They didn't expect them to. Very weak year for tight ends. Very slow developing position. You've already sunk two years into Dawson Knox, who has incredible physical gifts, and there's a lot of optimism for what he can be in year three. Jacob Hollister is a nice compliment. You get Tommy Sweeney back. But the fact that the Bills made no investments whatsoever at tight end in the draft is great news for those guys, especially Knox and Hollister. Well, I think you could say... Sweeney as well. He wants to come back after missing last year due to the uh, the heart condition, and all reports are that he's ready to go. He's got to feel really good about his chance to come back and claim a role. Here's a name that I think is underrated in this discussion. Harrison Phillips, big-time winner from the draft. The Bills did nothing at defensive tackle. Star Latulale is back as your starting one-tech and Harrison Phillips has a good chance to be the primary backup and claim a lot of a lot of playing time. And Phillips played pretty good in the playoffs, and I thought he's had flashy moments throughout his career. I think he's had a lot of inconsistency, though. I'm not super high on him. But in terms of being a winner and his path being quite obvious and getting a chance to play 35 to 45% of the snaps for this defensive line, I think that's that's a real possibility. And Harrison Phillips is entering a contract year. So, you know, he's obviously looking to uh, put some good tape out there and put himself in the best position to make some money here at the end of the season. So Harrison Phillips is definitely a winner. Now, here's another name that I think might surprise you, but hear me out. Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. I think those guys are winners. And you're like probably thinking to yourself, uh, Joe, they drafted Rousseau and Basham. They're obviously not winners. Well, this is why I think they are. And I said this a little bit earlier in the podcast. Because Basham and Rousseau are now on this roster, because A.J. Epinesa is entering his second season, Hughes and Addison don't have to do everything now. They can leave some of those early down reps, those run down reps to the, the rookies and the, and the young players. And when it's long and late downs, they'll be fresh, able to pin their ears back, and get after the quarterback. I think Hughes and Addison will benefit from that. They won't play as many snaps, but in order for the Bills to maximize what's left in the tank for both of these guys, this might be the best thing for them. So while it 
definitely might not seem that way. I think there's a case to be made that Hughes and Addison are winners for this year when it comes to the Bills adding all these young defensive ends because they will be fresher and more available to play and pin their ears back on long and late downs. Need to tell you guys about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. So many amazing flavors. They're all soft and easy to chew, and they're covered in 100% chocolate. It's like eating a candy bar, but they're good for you. Built Bars are great for anyone who is health conscious. Whether you want to lose weight, maintain weight, or just indulge in a delicious treat, you have to try Built Bars. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for anyone on the keto diet. I've got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So before we talk about losers, I want to give you the next word in our contest, as a reminder, throughout the month of May, you're going to have a chance to win a Buffalo Bills jersey of your choice. And the way you do that is by listening. And throughout the month, there's going to be 21 episodes of Lockdown Bills in this month. I have a nine-word sentence that I will periodically drop the next word of throughout the course of the month. After I've delivered all nine words, you're going to have the full sentence. When you have the full sentence... Send an email to joe at the draftnetwork.com with the full sentence correctly written, and you're going to be entered into a drawing, and the winner receives the Bills jersey of their choice. I released the first word to you on Monday, May 3rd, and the last word is coming on May 27th. The other seven words will be released at random throughout the month, so you need to keep track of the words so that you can correctly submit the sentence and be entered into the drawing. I'm going to do the drawing on Instagram live on June 2nd, which is my birthday. So you'll have uh, from May 27th after the episode is published until June 1st at 10 p.m. Eastern time to send me an email with the full sentence to be entered. And the drawing is going to be done live on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram. My uh, handle is the underscore Joe Marino. The idea here, folks, is to have some fun with the most loyal listeners that tune in daily. So hit me up on Twitter. Or email if you have any questions. And the third word is current. C-U-R-R-E-N-T, current. Another note here. Early guesses are of no advantage to you. I've been getting a lot of emails. I've been getting a lot of uh, Twitter DMs, Instagram DMs with people telling me their guess for the sentence. Like, that's not going to help you. Just wait until the 27th when you have the last word and send me one email when you have the full sentence, right? That's the best way to do it. Your early guesses don't help you. Um, so just wait. You'll get all of them and um, make sure it's correct. Um, that's I'm not going to start collecting the list of people with the correct sentence until after May 27th. So uh, hold your submissions until then, if you will. I'm getting a lot early, a lot of early ones. A lot of them are wrong. You know, it's not it's not like uh, was a wheel of fortune where you, you there's a, a benefit to being first with it. Wait till you have the whole thing. Send me an email, and um, you'll be entered into the drawing. All right, so let's talk about the losers from the Bills roster from the draft. Guys that were on the roster pre-draft that things are a little dicey now for. I think the name that's most obvious is Daryl Johnson. Um, Johnson was a seventh-round pick a couple years ago, and he's been a meaningful part of the team since, right? He's played around 20% of the snaps on defense and has played a ton on special teams, a four-phase 
special teams player. But things are a little dicey because not only do the Bills still have Jerry Hughes, A.J. Epinesa, and Mario Addison, Greg Rousseau, Carlos Basham are here. I just don't think the Bills are going to keep that many defensive ends where Daryl Johnson for a third season in the row is going to make the team. So unless the Bills choose to move on from Mario Anderson, which I don't think they're going to, Daryl Johnson has a, an uphill climb to be on the roster for a third consecutive season. Now, obviously, guys like Mike Love and Brian Cox Jr., who already had slim chances to make the roster, it's even less likely that they're in the mix now after these draft picks plus F.A. Obata. You know, I just don't see a path for Johnson, Love, or Brian Cox Jr. Not a good day for Bobby Hart. Came to the Bills in free agency, a ton of experience from his time with the Giants and Bengals, but him beating out Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle, who are cost control players for the next four seasons, seems unlikely. His best opportunity is going to be the Bills keeping four offensive tackles and beating out Tommy Doyle. Like if Tommy Doyle just completely flops, Bobby Hart's going to have a a better chance, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think you can also say that guys like Jordan Devy, Forrest Lamp, and, and Jamil Douglas are somewhat losers because if the Bills choose to play the economics game there, with Jack Anderson, who's also a cost control player for the next four seasons, those guys could be losers as well. Now, I, I'm not sure this one is as clear of a conversation to have. I mean, if Jack Anderson just comes in and plays at a level that forces you to keep him on the roster, things get interesting. But um, if, they, if that winds up being the case and the Bills want to play the economic game here, and, and, and Anderson proves he can also play center, that's not good news for the guys, you know, Debbie, Lamp, Douglas, if the Bills wind up keeping 10 offensive linemen on the roster. I think it's bad news for Josh Thomas. Uh, was a undrafted free agent last year, spent the year on the practice squad. Um, I thought there was a chance that he could be the fourth safety this year if the Bills didn't find a um, an answer, but they drafted DeMar Hamlin. And so Josh Thomas, I think, is is less likely to uh, make the 53 for sure now that Hamlin's in the mix. And then the last player I'll mention is Brandon Powell. He came over in free agency and probably hoped to claim that return gig left behind by Andre Roberts, who's now with the Houston Texans. And um, with Marquez Stevenson in the mix to be the kick returner, you know, I, I just don't know if this is going to be uh, – as clear of a path for Brandon Powell, especially when you think about Stevenson's just a more dynamic athlete. So Brandon Powell is going to have to really prove that he is the best punt and kick returner on the team, or else I think the Bills will be happy to platoon the return duties, and Brandon Powell will very much be on the outside looking in when it comes to making the roster. So there you have it. We talked about Year one roles for the rookies. We talked about Dan Morgan leaving the team. Now the assistant GM for the Carolina Panthers. We covered winners and losers from the Bills roster as a result of the 2021 NFL draft. And that is your Monday podcast. Tomorrow, my plan is to cover things we learned from Brandon Bean in this draft class. Talk about some of his trends 
recap some of the comments he made after the draft and just get into a little bit of a, of a discussion now that we have another draft class assembled by Brandon Bean. So that's going to be our, our conversation tomorrow unless some crazy breaking news happens on Monday. But I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying things have to be fluid in the offseason because you just never know when something uh, can happen and, and derail your plan. But for now, we're going to talk about things we've learned about Brandon Bean uh, to this point with an emphasis on this draft class. So don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed. Rate, review, and share the podcast. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.